Right, we are, um, we are in a series on fruit bearing, talking about, uh, you know, God bringing forth fruit in us. And you know, while we're worshipping, I was thinking of some things that I just put, put down in the notes here. If we have children, you know, we would like to see our children have the highest quality of life possible. And we will make it our responsibility to bring forth that life in them. We will do everything possible. Give them the best schooling that our money can afford. Give them the best advice that we can give them. Uh, give them as much love as what we can. If we see he's good in the sport, we will use money and effort to try and develop that. So, Because we know that as a parent, uh, we possess the power to bring forth what is good in the child. We don't tell the child... When you're good at school and when you're good at your sport, then I will love you and then I'll bless you. Now we first bless him and then our love brings forth good fruit in the child. Amen. Now we are called God's children. Amen. And God has taken the initiative to be the pivot point, the core of all power that will bring forth good fruit in you. The responsibility is not upon us to try and bring forth good fruit. God made it His responsibility. And He has given us a system by which it works, in which He will bring forth good fruit in your life. Even when you look at Moses on the mountain in um, Exodus 34, uh, here God comes and He appears to Moses. And when He appears to Moses, He says to Moses, I'm going to explain who I am to you. And then He says some very intriguing things. This is one of the things he says. He says, I am the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean if God comes and he reveals himself as a God of grace? When God says, I'm a God of grace, what he says is that the way I function is from the platform of influence. That means that I am the God or a God and I am full of grace. It's like the Bible says in John 1. It says, when we saw the glory of God, we saw His glory full of grace and truth. Full genade en waarheid. Okay? So when it is full of grace, what does it mean? That this truth about God, who God is, is full of an influential power. Something that when you get into the presence of it, it will influence you. Now, because we are humans and we are in the image and likeness of God, we also possess influential power. That's why you will find, you know, like yesterday, you know, I went cycling with some of my friends. And my one friend, and, and a lot of the people that came and cycled with us, came, they knew to mountain biking. And he wants to go up this very steep hill, you know, and it's actually dangerous going up there. And he said, no man, we're going to go up there and whatever, and I know how steep it is. You need to be very fit to cycle the two kilometers to the top. And um, so I said to the people, listen, you must realize that's very steep there. And I want to influence them not to go up there, because I'm scared somebody's going to fall. And people did fall. They were bleeding, you know. So, um, and, and, but the other guy's influence was stronger. That said, no. He says, no, I will, we'll cycle 200 meters, then we rest. You know, then we push it 200 meters, but we're going to go up there. It's very beautiful up there. And it is beautiful. So, but his influence was stronger. So, in the very same way, God comes and he reveals himself as a being of influence. He's gracious. Now, what that means is, who he is will influence you unto what he thinks is best for you. So it's not going to be a place where you are forced. It will be a place where you are influenced. When you are under the influence of something, you are under its power and it actually lives in you. If you look, think of somebody that's under the influence of alcohol, you know, alcohol is alive in him. You know, it, it forms his life, it forms his thoughts, it forms his emotions. And if you must put a lot of 
uh, things on him to test all the, and take blood from him while under the influence, you will see that a lot of things are just going haywire in his body because he's under the influence of alcohol. And when God comes and he reveals himself to Moses, he says, Moses, I want to tell you that I am a being that possesses the ability to influence you. Who I am, when you come into my presence, I can form your life. And when God made man, he always had that in mind. He had the highest quality of life, like I've said so many times, the greatest life between the Father and the Son in heaven, where the Father loves the Son, where the Son loves the Father, where there's mutual love, where there's communication with each other, where the one has got an influence on the other one, and vice versa, to the point that this life is so beautiful that God said, let us make man and put man under this very same influence, which is called grace. That is the grace of God. You know, we've, all, we've only seen grace for so many years as God pardoning your sin and God overlooking your sin, giving you another chance. Under the Old Testament, there was the law and the commandments and, and, uh, and, and then God said, well, okay, you've messed it up, so I send Jesus, I forgive you, and now I give you, uh, the slate is clean, and now I hope you get it right this time. No, that, was, that, that is not the gospel. The gospel is not God giving you a new chance. The, the gospel is God took mankind out from the kingdom where he has to take his own willpower and influence his own life unto a place where he has got God's eternal life. I want to say it again. He came to take man away from a place where he had to create his own heaven by willpower and placed him into another kingdom, into a kingdom where man is influenced by God's love. And that is the gospel of the kingdom. He came to bring the kingdom of love, the kingdom of innocence, the kingdom where we operate from a place where we sit down and the Almighty God comes and serves us with righteousness, with the Holy Spirit, with His very nature and His very being, and from there we find God formed in us, effortlessly. Any fruit that's in your life, any good fruit that, that, that's God intended, should come from a place where you feel loved by God. You know, I can feel that my dog loves me. I mean, I can, I can feel his love. I mean, that dog comes in when we open the door. He runs right to the bedroom, you know. And I can see with everything in him, the best place that he thinks there is for him is in the bed. <laughs> you know, there's a big dog. He can't get in the bed. <laughs> no way. So, but, but you can see he's passionate about us. He loves us. We can feel the love that our dog has for us. We can feel the love that the little bird has for us. How can it then be that we say, when it comes to God's love for man, that we can't experience God's love? Love is, 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 is something to be experienced. Je moet hem and when you experience love is when the real change starts to take place. So God came and He revealed Himself as an influential God that will influence man. Now how will He influence you? He's going to influence you by loving you. That's how He's going to influence you. Now I remember when I was in, in the army, you know, obviously the sergeant major also has an influence. <laughs> He has an influence, but his influence is not good. His influence does not produce trust. Neither does his influence produce real respect. It just produces fear. And with fear as a foundation, you give your life. Because you're actually more scared of the sergeant major than the enemy. 
Because you think that if you do something wrong in battle and you come back, you'll have to face the sergeant major. And you're under that influence. But God is not heaven's sergeant major. Neither the Father is not that, Jesus is not that, the Holy Spirit's not that. God says that He will influence man with love, with, the, uh, with, with something that's in His heart that we can call respect, wherein we see Him respecting us, Him caring for us, Him putting us above Himself. Not that I'm saying we are higher than God. You know, I put my kids above myself. I put Helena above myself. There's certain things that you maybe want to do, but you say, I'm not going to do this because I'm going to go to the hockey match with my child. You put him above you. In the very same way, God does that with man. And only in the light of that can who God is really form you. And the only way for God not to really have an influence on your life is if there is a lie told about who he is. Because if there's a lie told about how much God loves you, then God cannot influence you. Because you are influenced by His love. Everything in life works that way. You will find it's very difficult to commit your life to somebody. If it, if, if, let's talk about lifelong commitment. We talk about marriage. Will you commit your life to somebody if you don't know that that person loves you? You see, true commitment, when it comes to a place of Getting married now. This is for the rest of my life. I'm sharing my life with this one person. And when we're getting married that day, what's in your mind is, Ek gaan ou oupaikie word saam met hierdie vrou. I'm going to become very old with her. I'm going to share my whole life with her. There needs to be love, because outside of love, commitment cannot even be born. It's not even there. It cannot even exist. So, the gospel cannot be the message of how committed you must be to God. It must be the message of how much God loves you. For only in love, commitment can be born. Only when someone loves you, the emotion of trust can be born. It's a foreign concept for people that don't know love. The word trust. It's actually willpower disguised under the word trust. Sometimes we want to just live by willpower, but God says, I want to love you. Now I want to read a verse here from, uh, from the message translation. This is in um, Psalm 119, verse 41 to 48. It says, Let your love, God, shape my life with salvation exactly as you promised. What about Siri Pesalam that I see? God, let your love shape my life with salvation, just as you have promised. Isn't that beautiful? So what God promised man was that He will shape our lives by loving us. <laughs> and we want to take the promises of God for ourselves, you know. I take the promise of God, I'm going to have a house, I'm going to have clothes, I'm going to have... Listen, forget all those promises. Take this promise. God promised you that He will form your life. What that means is, He's not going to put an axe against, or a knife against your throat, telling you, unless you are happy, I'm slitting your throat. Unless you are generous, you know, you are not pleasing to me. No. What God is saying is, this is my promise. What you see in me, how kind I am, how compassionate I am, how loving I am, this will form your life and shape your life to the point that what you see in me will be formed in you by me. Now that sounds as if one person is going to do the work and the other person is going to be the recipient. That's what it sounds like. It sounds to me like a God that came to earth, like we said last Sunday, to wash man's feet, to serve man, to bless man, so that from that platform we can find a life being formed. Listen to what he says here. Shape, shape my life with your love 
through salvation. Now, what is salvation? Let me, um, well, I'll expand a little bit more on that later. It says, shape your life by your love, and in your love, save me. Because if you can save me in your love, then the following will happen. It says, then I'll be able to stand up to mockery because I trust your word. So what he says here, he says, God, if you can love me enough, it will be very easy for me to believe in you. You promised that you will shape my life by loving me. And when you do that, then it will be easy for me to believe in you. You know, if I shape my son's life by my love for him, it's very easy for him to believe me when I say to him, listen, I will, I will help you when you, you're old one day and you really need help, I'll be there for you. He'll believe my word. Why? Because his life, his thought, his emotion, everything is shaped by love. Then he says, don't ever deprive me of truth. Not ever. Your commandments or your message of love are what I depend on. Oh, I'll guard, uh, oh, oh, I'll guard with all my life what you've revealed to me. I'll guard it now and I'll guard it forever. And I'll stride freely through wide and open spaces and look for your truth and your wisdom. So what he says here, he says, when you love me, God, when I experience love, as you've promised, you promised you'll form my life by loving me. And when you do that, I will find that I can easily trust you. I can stand up to mockery and temptation every day. I can find that I can live and stride in free and open spaces. All the time, just looking for more of the revelation of how much you love me, your truth. Isn't that good news? This is the God that we've got something to do with here. This is the God that, that come, came to be good to us. I want to read something I found on the web. It says, One of the most insightful findings revealed through scientific research is that love can be considered as a natural drug due to its, due to its ability to relieve pain. During the second phase, when love is associated with intense, passionate feelings... It affects the brain in ways similar to painkillers. It's somewhat analgesic. It's got a somewhat analgesic effect on the body, on the body system, and the stronger the love, the more powerful the effect. So what it says here is, analgesic means uh, the ability, uh, you don't possess the ability to feel pain. So what it says, scientifically, it has been proven that if you take a guy and a girl, and they really love each other, and the person is very ill or in, or in, in intense pain, and the person who loves him comes to him, that something in the brain is released, that that person doesn't possess the ability anymore to feel pain. That's why I'm so sick. I don't want to You know? You know, men, they say men are like that, you know. A, ma a man's always more ill than a woman. Doesn't matter if they've got the same virus. Um, you, you, you want that love because when somebody comes and you feel you're ill in bed and they come and you know this person really loves me and they bring you a cup of coffee or they come there and bring you medicine and pray for you and whatever. While they're there, you feel so much better because love possesses the very ability to even touch your cells in your body. And now, this is, this is what the Bible says here, and that's how God functions. He says, I am a being that will shape your life, your health, the way you think, by my love to you. The only way God can have a good effect or an effect on you is if you are open to say, I am the recipient of God's love, and God is only love. He's not a sin-conscious works oriented God. He's a being that possesses life and He's so generous that He wants to share that life with every human freely. And then He wants 
every human not to have a fake kind of a copy of his life. He wants him to have his life. And God knows the only way you can ever have that life is if he serves you and forms that life in your life by him loving you. I, I tell you, uh, the word contentment is born from the word love. I mean, there's uh, 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 Gillian Brenda there in the back. I know them for years. They come from, I know them from Potchefstroom days, you know. When you know people longer for, longer than half your age, kind of a thing, you know you know them for a long time. <laughs> and, um, I mean, we lived in a house, I think they, you also lived in that house in, in Dwarstraat, you know. I think they, they, they bulldozed the place flat by now. But we lived in a house that, while we lived there, Others thought we were poor, you know, but we didn't think that. We thought we lived in a nice place. But others thought we were poor. Like I, um, like I said last Sunday, you know, the people that came and they that had a collection, for those of you that weren't here last Sunday, there was a church that had a collection for some poor people in the church. And it was also a, a kind of a wealthy church and was over some months. And then there was this, uh, this lady and her kids, she was a widow, she said to Listen, we also want to contribute to these, um, you know, to this giving for the poor people. So what they would do is the kids would sell some stuff and, and um, they would at night sit and put the electricity off, you know, and then just sit and chat in the dark, maybe candlelight or something and save up money. And then at the end of the three months, they had quite a large sum of money together. And then they, they gave it to the church. And um, after giving it to the church and everybody gave the money on that Sunday, about two weeks later, the reverend came to her house and gave the money, all the money to her and said, this collection was actually for you guys. And then she said, well, we never knew we were poor. And they were, they were actually depressed. They could never use that money because that money spelt their poverty. They could never use it. And then months later, the church had a building project and they gave all the money just to the, to the building project and then they could live freely again. You see, what happens is we, we, we live with poverty in our minds. And what love does is, love takes away pain. To the point that others will think, you're poor, but you will think, I'm cared for. Because I'm overwhelmed by the love of God. And that is what God intended from the beginning. It was never to be any other way. For God is love. He cannot change. Like this pulpit is wood, and it can, if I'm angry and I touch it, I can only feel wood. If I've just given somebody 10,000 rand to bless him, and I come here, all I can experience is the feel of wood. In the very same way, God is love. If you've done good or bad, you can only feel one thing from him. Love, he cannot be anything else but a being that wants to be good to you, that wants to set you free from what binds you, that, that's not sin conscious, that wants to give what is of him for free to you. And unless we accept that, we will find it, it, it will be very difficult for God to form our lives. That's why Paul says, I don't want to frustrate the grace of God. Let's not frustrate the grace of God, but always be open to be loved. It says here, another, another article, emotions have a huge effect on the internal working of your body. You would think that feelings such as sadness and love are emotions that you conjure up in your mind, but they actually have an effect on your whole way of existing. From everything ranging to your interpersonal skills, to your molecular makeup, and the love... Uh, um, Make up love and hate changes you. Let us say that you find someone attractive and that person have been getting, and you and that person have been getting along greatly. Every time you see them, your pupils dilate as you attempt to focus on their every feature. They are, they are associated with your positive emotions and your mind wants to know all that there is to know about them. So what it says here is, when, when you are in the presence of somebody that loves you, everything in your body has been designed to, to 
om, om elke ding van die persoon waar te neem, to, to observe everything of that person, and to draw it in, so that it can, that person can have an even greater effect on your life. Because we have been designed by God to follow after love, to want to be loved, because He is love. So when you are, when we see God as a God that likes us, so many times we will say, well, God loves us, but does He really like me? He does like you. He likes you. He loves you. He, you, are, you are what his, his whole life revolves around. I've said it many times. If you've given your everything to have the cell phone, the cell phone would be all you have. And God gave His everything to have humans, so all God has is you. So who God is, everything revolves around you. It's like the, the, the father with the two sons, the, the, the parable in the Bible. The younger son came to the father and said, Father, you know, what shall I, shall you give me my inheritance? Now, what he was actually saying is, I can't wait for you to die. Can I have my inheritance now? And if you carefully read, the Bible says, then the father divided the inheritance between the two sons. So both of them got their inheritance. Now, this is the question. So where did the father live? The father lived with the children. We always think that the, the sons still lived with the father. No. If I take everything I have, and I put it over into my three kids' names, then they don't live with me anymore. I now live with them. That's why the Bible says, and, and God will come and make His dwelling with us. Why? For He has given us everything He has. Belongs to man. In the man, Jesus Christ. That's the great thing God has done, investing Himself and all He possesses into man. He even said it to, to uh, uh, um, Abraham in Genesis 15. Abraham was stressed a bit about money and stuff. And then God came to Abraham. He said to Abraham, Abraham, don't fear, for I am your reward. <laughs> You've inherited me, Abraham. Not just what I possess. You inherited me. And that was when we are co-heirs with Christ, what does it mean? It means what Christ inherited in His resurrection is our inheritance. And what did Christ inherit? What He received is immortality forever in human flesh, God. And we are co-heirs with Christ. And that is what He gave us. The Bible even says it in a different form. It says, we are seated with Him in heavenly places. You know, in the, in the Jewish kingdom, where you were seated, depended your authority, your authority was dependent upon it. So, if you had a higher seat, you had higher authority. So, we are seated with Him. Because we've inherited what He inherited in His resurrection. And that is the free gift unto man. And this is the love that He gives us and when we start to see that and we get along well with God, then our eyes will be opened more to see and understand His every move. And this is what Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. This he said to the church. And I like what they say here. You know, just in medical, the medical observation, they say that when somebody loves you and they come into your presence, your eyes, the pupil is bigger than normal. Because you want to not just observe what they say, but you want to observe their body language, their emotion. All the senses are so much more alert because you know that this is a safe place and that's actually your way of opening yourself up to be formed by that person. In the very same way, that's how God functions. He's an influential being. The power that He uses to influence with is love. And we're going we're gonna to explain now how love is defined. But he, he, he loves you. He cares for you. And when you get along well with somebody and you, and, and you feel attracted to that person, 
you will see more. This is what Paul says, you know. I pray the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you might be strengthened with might in the inner man, that you may see and know how high, how wide, how deep, and how long the love of God is, so that you might be filled and flooded with the fullness of God. Do you see the big difference between fruit-bearing as a result of being loved to fruit-bearing as a prerequisite to be loved? It's a massive difference, man. It's a massive difference. I want to tell you, as time has gone on, you know, and uh, like from the Pochestrum days, you know, I've, I've been preaching this message and hearing this message, but I find that now in my life that my heart got settled, really settled into God loves me. He loves me. If there's something good that's going to happen to somebody, it's going to happen to me. I know it. It's not because I'm arrogant. I've got a God that loves me. If there's nothing good that happens to me, I'll be so content that I will not even see it. I'll be, because I'm flooded with a feeling of I'm special. I'm flooded with a feeling that God wanted to leave heaven and come and live in my body. That becomes a reality. Now, that doesn't become a reality by hearing it once on a Sunday. It becomes a reality by living in a house where you loved. So I want to tell you, let's move in to the place where the Father is. Where He says, into the circle of love. Don't remove yourself from the place where you believe that God is only good. Where you open your mind to something else. Let's stay in that place. Another research showed, it says, when you, are love, uh, when you are in love, your cells bind together and it produces a multi-substance between them, binding the cells together, making you feel strong, proud, and able to, co able to conquer the world. When you feel loved, even your cells are closer together, giving you strength. And then it says, when you don't feel loved, the cells vibrate much faster, there's more movement in the cell, and kind of pushing each other away. You know the, um, the adhesive, I think it's an adhesive molecule in the Bible called laminin. Have you ever, have you ever studied that out? Go onto YouTube and type in laminin. It is the, I don't know all the names, but it's, it's like an adhesive molecule. It's the very thing that keeps everything together in your body. There's no what keer it Okay? It keeps every cell together. This laminin molecule. If you, if you take laminin and you look at the DNA strand of it, I don't know if I say everything correct here, it's in the form of the cross. It's the cross. It's Jesus. Keeping. It's the love of God. Keeping you together. Even in your physical body. It's the love of God that will keep your mind together. Being loved by God. Being, you, you know, when, when, when I, I rem, if, if I look at my children, you know, and they, they look at their dad, I can see admiration in their eyes. And it does something for me. I think it must be the worst thing for, the fa for a father to look into his, his child's eyes and see bitterness and hatred and not admiration. It will make you feel as if your life falls apart. Now how much more if we look into the eyes of God and we see rejection? You'll be utterly destroyed. And mankind will run into systems where he tries to win the favor of God. So that they can look at God and look in his eyes and just see some acceptance. But I've got good news for you. The Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world, the sinner, 
God's eyes was flooded from eternity and will be unto eternity with admiration for man. So when you look into his eyes, you must see, I mean, his eyes is flooded with, you are my everything. Maybe you are in a bad place. You know, where your life is destroyed, flooded with sins and things that destroy you. But I, my love, loving you, will shape your life to a life where you experience my quality of life. We don't see rejection. How do you go, to, how do you go for help to somebody that you know rejects you and is upset with you and has got a list of all your mistakes? You don't go there. It's like, I, you know, um, I, I, I get, on a weekly basis, I get stuff in, the, you know, in my inbox. People say to me, you know, this person believes this, that person believes that, that one went back to the law, that guy is, is preaching universalism, this, that all the time. You know, I, I get this on a regular basis. And this is my answer. Listen, I don't care what the guy preaches, if he's right or wrong. Just treat him in such a way that when he wants the truth, that he wants to come to you. Th that's it. Just make him at least feel worth something. Because that's how God looks at us. Amen. And at every human being. So even our physical body becomes more healthy it's proven scientifically that when you really feel loved, you will live longer. If a person has, if this, if two people has cancer and the one is loved and appreciated, and the other one is just rejected, the one that's rejected will die much sooner. Let me read the verse again. It says, "Let your love, God, shape my life with salvation." exactly as you have promised. Then I'll be able to stand up to mockery because I trusted your word. Don't ever deprive me of truth, not ever. Your commandments are what I depend on. Oh, I'll guard them with my life, what you reveal to me. I guard it now and I'll guard it forever. And I'll stride freely through wide and open spaces as I look for your truth and your wisdom. Then I'll tell, listen to this, then I'll tell the world what I find. Speak out boldly in public, unembarrassed. I cherished your commandment of love. Oh, how I love them. Isn't this beautiful? You see how the psalm writer comes and he says, your, and, and I'm reading this from the message translation, you will not find it like that in the King James or something. This is the message. What he says is, when you love me, your love brings forth trust. Then I can trust who you are. For this is what you promised God. And as this trust comes forth, I find a life where I walk freely in wide and open spaces. Where it's beautiful. And then I find a boldness arise in me to tell this truth to others. Do you see how God bears His fruit in you? Fruit bearing has never been a command. It was something God took upon Him. Let me explain to you this way. God said to Adam and Eve in the beginning, Adam, be fruitful. Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. So the command was given to Adam. Now, He brought forth People that's like him, that is also fruitful and multiply. So they also have the ability to have an influence and multiply. But Jesus was called the last Adam. Isn't it? The same command is to Jesus. Be fruitful and multiply. So it, is the com it was commanded to Christ. This is why he says to the disciples, take this gospel and go and preach it all over the world. Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For that, through the good news, is the multiplication of who God is in every human being. The message of grace, wherein Jesus took it up 
and said, I will be intimate with man. I will be intimate. Jesus is God's intimacy with mankind, wherein He brings forth the God kind of fruit in you. So never again let fruit bearing disqualify you. It is a fruit. It is a fruit. I wonder if I can find last week's message. I want to just see if I can... I want to read a verse there. It was the week before. But anyway, what, what the verse says is, is in Galatians 5, verse 22, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the message says it this way. It says, we, when we are in the Spirit, in other words, when we are in the message of, of grace that I'm preaching to you this morning, then we get things like gifts. Things like love, joy, peace. We get gifts like love, joy, peace. Because it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit in you. It's not you bearing the fruit. It is Him bearing His fruit in you. Glory to God. And you know, last night I was, uh, I just put the audio Bible on and I just listened to John 14, 15, 16, 17. And then it says there, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give you. But you know what the context is? The context is the wingerstok in iluot. What's it in English now? The vine and the branches. Okay, so that's the context. The context is the vine and the branches. So whatever the branch need to bear fruit, he demands from the vine. So, whatever, and this is the context of whatever you ask me. Whatever you need in your life to have the fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, temperance, is drawn from the Father. And He will love you in a way that you can have that fruit. That's the context. We think the context is cars and houses. Listen, a car and a house is already provided by the fact that He says He's your Father. So get that off the table now. Let's get into God's quality of life. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. So whatsoever demand there is in your life to have the fruit of God in your life is drawn from the Father as long as what you abide in Him. How do you abide in Him? You continue to believe that He's a God of love. That's how you abide in Him. And by that abiding, continual belief in that He loves you, that He brought you salvation from the flesh and the law and all those kind of things, ending the system of death you were under, saving you from it, saving you from works righteousness, where you're righteous by your works. When you believe, I've been saved from that. I've been unified with God. God looks favorably upon my life. That, in that, when you abide there, whatever demand your life has, where that demand is categorized as not having that fruit, whatever substance is needed is provided from the Father so that you can have that fruit. For He shall bear His fruit in you. And I want to end off with this. The Bible says in John 15, verse 1 to 5, it says, Abide in me, and I abide in you, so that you can bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Now let me tell you what that word nothing means in the Greek. It means nothing. Without me, as pertaining to the fruit that I want in your life, you cannot produce one. You can do nothing. The only way it can be done is by Him loving you and bringing it forth in your life. The best thing you can ever do is to know this good news and surround yourself 
when it comes to church with people that believe the same message. You need to be in an atmosphere where you can hear this message over and over and over. Where you, when you visit friends that, you know, you talk about the rugby and you, you, you have your bride there and you do everything you want, but when it comes to talking about God, at least you talk about this wonderful news. I'm not saying push away all your friends. I'm just saying have a core group of friends together. You know, meet people. Get to a place where you can be constantly influenced by this truth. Because this is how God will shape your life. How is it possible? It's impossible for God to shape your life into the life of a loving, caring, good person that loves people. If you are constantly under the influence of do's and don'ts, guilt, condemnation, feeling you owe God money again because you haven't paid enough of your tithes, that will kill you. Make sure you're in an environment where you can be constantly influenced by what He has done for you. Let us end off. Paul comes and he says, I want to read Ephesians 3, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of His goodness or glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now listen, he said in, in, in Psalms, he says, when you love me, then I'll be able to trust you. So now he says here, I pray that you might be strengthened in the inner man so that you may believe. How will you be strengthened in the inner man? By Him loving you. Okay? Want you to see His love. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, we are already rooted and grounded in love by what Christ has done for us, may have strength to understand with all the other Christians what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth to have experiential knowledge of the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What he says is, he says, I pray that you will start to just see a little bit of this love of God, because it will strengthen you to see more of His love, and more of His love. And more of His love. And this love that you perceive will flood you with the fullness of God. Hallelujah. This goeie nies, of jy dit nou wil weet of nie, die is goeie nies. This makes me happy. We've got to do with a God that said, listen, I am love, and I am influential, and you have been made by me, to be influenced by my love, so that you can experience the highest quality of life there is, which is mine. That's what Reinhard Bonker says, you're doomed to be blessed. <laughs> the only thing that can ever separate you from experiencing this love, nothing can separate you from God's love. He will always love you. But what can separate your experience of His love, is you not believing this. Refusing to say He is this good. Jesus Christ came to take away your sin. He came to save you. He'll shape your life by how He saved you from condemnation. We've been saved from the system of works righteousness. And we are now under the system of influence. The word grace in the Greek is the word influence. 
We are now in the dispensation of grace. Influence. We were influenced by God's love. Amen and amen. <clears throat> Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you that we can be here together. I want to thank you for your awesome love. I want to thank you for your mercy, your influence upon the human heart. Thank you, Father, for everybody that's watching via the internet. I thank you, Lord, that their lives are deeply touched. I thank you, Father, that every person that's got something to do with you can start to see the dimensions of your love that you love us, that we are worth more to you than what we could ever do for you. Thank you, Lord, that the revelation of the gospel has dawned in our minds, that the gospel is not about what we can do for you, but what you are doing for us. It was like this from the beginning and will be like this forever. Father, we know that Adam didn't do anything to deserve being created or to deserve to have the breath of life. It was your doing. And that is the pattern, the genesis, the beginning. And you said that you know the end from the beginning. So thank you, Father, that we can know how it would be today. It would be a God that takes dust and gives it life. And then befriend that life-flooded dust man as his own personal best friend. And it's never changed. Father, thank you for never buying into Satan's system of you are what you do. Your gospel is beautiful. Your life is beautiful, my Father. And now it became our lives. Thank you, Lord. Our bodies are presented as instruments of your righteousness. Everybody here, including myself and these people's families, we make, it, we make them available. Available for the manifestation of this love in human flesh. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen.